Welcome to the latest podcast from Greyfriars Church in Reading. Our vision is to see Reading transformed by the love and power of Jesus. You can find out more on our website, greyfriars.org.uk. Enjoy. Let's um, start with a prayer, shall we, before we dig into this passage. Lord Jesus, uh, we thank you for your word. And we thank you for all the complications that it brings. We pray that you would give us a heart to hear the word that you have for each individual person here tonight. Lord, would you hold those words firm that are important to each one of us and let the rest drift. Come by your spirit and equip us to live differently because of how you speak tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Welcome. If you've not met, if we've not met before, my name's Natalie. I'm one of the team here. It's a privilege to have you worshipping with us. Now, I don't normally ask the team to read a kid's poem in a service, okay? Just in case this is your first time here and you're a bit worried, that's not normal. But I would like us to think deeper than the Sunday school version of what we remember about Jonah. And for those of you who didn't go to Sunday school, I thought the poem might help you get up to speed with what the version of Sunday school is. And here's a slide that gives you the total quick summary, if it works, hurrah. Jonah gets kicked out of the boat. He's swallowed by a big fish, not a whale. He goes to Nineveh. He gives them the call of God. There's a plant that withers Jonah gets angry. Up to speed so far? Great! We want to take your understanding a bit beyond the whale that's never actually called a whale. Everyone refers to it as a whale. It's called a big fish in scripture. And also beyond that wilting plant that Jonah claims to be angry about. But I wonder, what is it that gets your goat? What is the thing that makes you so angry that you really get frustrated? Because in the passage that we've just had read, Jonah gets so angry that he says to God, it would be better that I died. I mean, like, he's not just normally cross. He's gone beyond that scale of normally cross. He's absolutely livid, so much so that rather part of the solution that God has planned, he's like, I'm done. I am literally done. So what is it that gets you that angry? Is there anything that gets you that angry? What has the potential to get you that angry? But before we get too, too deep right now, right at this early point, I am going to set you a challenge. We have a whiteboard, because I love doing whiteboards. Um, And I'm not going to write, so that's even better. So for those of you who know I'm dyslexic, my handwriting is awful. So I'd like you to think about one maximum two-word answers for what you think the story of Jonah is all about. So turn to your neighbor, have a think, and then the roving mic will come round and ask you what your answer is, and then we'll put it down on the whiteboard. Go. It's one word answers, though, remember, so be quick. The PCC um, chair gets the privilege of the pen. 
We've got a few hands up. Andy's around with the raving mic, so. Second chances. Second chances, great. Fabulous, Andy's making his way down. All... Obedience. Obedience, Because if brilliant. he was obedience, he would have never had got through that. Great, we've got a few more on this side, behind you, and Mr. Aubrey Jones. A merciful God. Merciful God, fantastic. The lady at the end of the row with glasses, thank you, sorry. Trust, trusting God. Trusting God, fantastic. Any more, any more for any more? Sorry. Outra Have we missed any? Oh. Outrageous grace. Outrageous grace. Love that. Sarah. He's frustrated with God. He's frustrated with God. Frustration. Okay. Any half? Pursuit. Pursuit. Okay. I'm so pleased you're writing. <laughs> Faith. Faith. Brilliant. Fantastic. What a great list. Oh, we've got another one. Are you going, going in for a second yeah. one, David? Yeah. Second, second chances. That's what I'll Oh, yeah, brilliant. I love it. Okay, fantastic. Thank you so much. Hold all that and see where we get to. And you can pester me if there's any that we don't kind of cover. You see, I think Jonah's really, really helpful. And there's a reason why I think Jonah's helpful. He reminds me that God can use people like me who might be damaged and broken but yet he still uses us. However flawed our obedience might be, God can still work in and through us. So let's um, delve into some of the background to our angry prophet, Jonah. In 2 Kings chapters 13 and 14, it shows us that Jonah is a ministry as a prophet that follows on from a chap called Elisha. And if you spin to 1 Samuel chapter 8, we further learn that the people of God are frustrated with God. They want to be given kings. They don't want an airy-fairy God. They want a king on the ground. God, via Samuel, explains that this isn't quite such a good idea, but still they persist. And in 1 Samuel chapter 8, Verses 20 and 22, we hear this. But the people refused to listen to Samuel. No, they said, we want a king over us, and then we will be like the other nations, with a king to lead us and go out before us and fight our battles. Then Samuel heard all the people had said, and he repeated it before the Lord. And the Lord answered, listen to them and give them a king. Didn't they already have a king? They already had God, yet they wanted a replacement king. So the Jews of that day have decided that the kings are the answer. So kings come and kings go. Some follow the ways of God and some don't, just as God had foreseen would happen. And Jonah is a prophet in the midst of this contention. Jonah is a prophet at the point that King Jeroboam II is reigning. 
Now, Jeroboam II is in the midst of a land grab to recapture lands that had been formerly part of the kingdom. He's looking to re-expand the borders of his nation. If we could have the next slide, thank you. He's got an expansion plan to recapture bits of the nation that has been lost. However, he's still one of the kings that in 2 Kings 14.24, we hear this. He did evil in the sight of the Lord, and he did not turn away from any of the sins of Jeroboam. Presumably, he's referring to Jeroboam I. Despite his disobedience as a king, God intervenes. And we hear this in 1 Kings 14, 25 and 26. In accordance with the word of the Lord, the God of Israel, spoken through his servant Jonah, the Lord has seen how bitterly everyone in Israel, whether slave or free, was suffering. There was no one to help them. So Jonah has been part of this king's rule. He's seen the suffering of the people where their land has been captured, and he's seen people slave and free suffering. And he's also been part of speaking to Jeroboam II and saying, this is God's word for how we get back to where we should be. He's seen God break through so that that suffering um, was relented and the, the restoration of the borders to the north and the eastern boundaries of the nation. All good so far. He's prophesied. Some of the lands have been recovered. All is well with the world of Jonah and Jeroboam. Apart from the fact it's not, because Jonah is now getting a fresh call from God. I loved finding that slide. Come on, God calling, really? <laughs> um, he gets a fresh call from God. Jonah is called by God to witness to the very nations that were behind the suffering that he'd seen earlier. One author describes it this way. Jonah is like a Jewish man in World War II sensing that God is telling him to go to the Gestapo and tell them to repent. So maybe we might have a little more sympathy for our reluctant and angry prophet. However, God is always consistent with his call in the New Testament as well as in the Old Testament. God's people, flawed and broken and angry as they might be, are told to be witnesses to God in the world. And so I've picked one verse from the New Testament and we're going to add a verse from the Old Testament. In Acts 1.8, we hear the words of Jesus. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and Reading and to the ends of the earth. No, he didn't actually say Reading. I added that bit. But hey, on Friday afternoons, we have about 100 refugees coming in for coffee and cake every week. All the nations are represented in our lovely church. And we need people to speak to them. 
So we share in that Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and Reading, and the ends of the earth. In Isaiah 43.10, in the same way God commissions Israel to be witnesses in the world. So this is just showing that God's call for his people to be witnesses is consistent through the Old and the New Testament. And Isaiah says this, You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant who I have chosen, so that you may know and believe and understand that I, I am he. Before me no God was formed, nor will there be one after me. So some questions arose as I was preparing this sermon, both in my mind and in my heart. If Jesus fully completes the work of God and all is done and resolved through the cross, why must we still become the witnesses God calls us to be in the world? And if Jonah was so incredibly broken, then why is the tale of him included in scripture that God gives us to grow through? If he was such a flawed individual, why did that story stay? I think our broken and angry prophet can help. Jonah wants God's judgment on Nineveh to be punitive. He wants these people to really feel God's judgment. He wants them to know they've been judged. Yes, Jonah is obedient. after a few days in a big fish. But I think Jonah only fulfills... Have I gone? No, I'm back. If we get really flaky, I'll give up and go back to the microphone. Jonah is obedient, finally, after three days in a big fish. But I think there's an element. He's only doing his obedience on his terms. The Jonah we have read about sits under the shade of a plant that God grows for Jonah's comfort. And Jonah is sitting there waiting to see how the call God has given for him will land in the city of Nineveh. Jonah is at his wit's end and he begs to die four times and reminds God of his right to be angry about this city four times. Have you ever noticed how different Jonah's call to follow God is from the disciples and from the call that Jesus gives. His cry is an angry, a little bit judgy one. And if you want to look at it, it's in Jonah chapter 3, verse 4. Jonah cries this out, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. So if I said to you, 40 more days and Reading will be overthrown, mm, hasn't quite got the tone and sensitivity of the disciples and Jesus, has it? Jonah is shouting out for God's judgment on this nation, and he wants them to pay for their wickedness. If we could have our next slide, please. This is my contrast slide, because I wonder what Jonah would have made of Jesus on the cross, hanging there to save the whole of creation. Because Jesus and his disciples contrast with Jonah's cry, while he cries, please, Lord, come and judge in 40 days, the cry of Jesus and the disciples is about good news and the kingdom of God that has come close. 
And I wonder if Jonah would be sitting there saying, God, I think your kingdom of God has come a bit too close for these people. Can you just shift it a bit further away, please? Poor Jonah. He's so much anger and frustration. But God leaves room for the people of Nineveh to change. So if Jesus has already won everybody's freedom through the cross, why must there still be witnesses today? What I think maybe sometimes God's doing a work of witness in our hearts. We're witnesses to the world, but God starts with our hearts because God is still working on our acts of obedience. And in a day of an act of obedience where we feel stuck in the dark, in the belly of a whale, that wasn't a whale, it was a big fish, in those dark days, as well as in the good days, God is building us day by day, little by little, through a deeper process of repentance, of change. Changing us just as he changed Nineveh. Helping us see where we, like Jonah, want God to judge by our standards rather than judge by his. Maybe we still have places or pockets in our lives where we need to open ourselves up to God's compassion for a person, for a town, for his creation. Because in Jonah 4, 10 and 11, God speaks to Jonah and says, you've been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 who could not tell their right hand from their left hand. Should I not be concerned for that great city? We need to stop being angry where God's compassion is more comprehensive than we'd like it to be. We need to start being obedient with a graciousness and a compassion that springs from the Holy Spirit, replacing our hard and angry hearts. In effect, we're offered a challenge through the witnesses of Jonah's life, a challenge to allow our practice of obedience to be matched by our hearts of obedience. In effect, allowing our whole selves to be won over by God. Because when we're won over by God, the Holy Spirit equips us to win others for God. But he does that still in the places and in the spaces where we're broken. We are all Jonas in our own way. Because there are days when it's difficult to share the hope and the vitality of faith. It's, there are days when I want to be angry with that person rather than share with them the love of Jesus. But that's the point of our Old Testament prophets. They call us to a different way of being. They offer us this really sharp contrast and they remind us of what we need to be woken up to. We need to be woken up of people who are practices of, of obedience is matched by hearts of obedience. Hearts that are broken for the lost, the lonely, the isolated, the festival goer who's throwing up in the atrium, uh, the friend who can't seem to quite get their life back in order, however many deeper meaningfuls we have with them. You know, we know people in our lives who we long to see the compassion of God vital and alive in their hearts. But 
we haven't just seen it yet. And we're a bit cross because we want them to change. But God's way of wanting people to change is to say, the kingdom of God is close, come closer. The kingdom of God is love and compassion, come closer. Yes, there's things we need to let go of when we come closer to the holiness of God. But that coming closer is a thing of beauty. It's a thing of love. It's a thing of grace. It's not a thing that says, 40 days and destruction and doom will come. Let's pray as we ponder these verses in our own heart. I'm going to use a, a verse from our reading, and it's Jonah 4, verse 2. Jonah says this, I knew you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. So, Lord God, by the power of your Holy Spirit, win our hearts over into your obedience. Change us as broken and fragile witnesses to your good news. Win our hearts first with the good news of your love so that our obedience and our steps to bring the good news are matched by our hearts. Help us to see where we might show your abounding love and grace. Show us how we might become more compassionate and more gracious as we grow in your Spirit's love. Amen.